All right, you guys, today we get to do an episode interviewing Bill Rapier, who is a, I don't, how do you say this, like an ex-Navy SEAL? Yeah, former Navy SEAL. Yeah. Anyways, really cool guy. Love his family. They have seven children, Bill and Mariah, and we just really look up to them, how they're raising their sons, how they're raising their daughters, and we feel so blessed to have met their family and we get to introduce them to you now if you aren't familiar with them before I had some questions for Bill because our kiddos obviously are little boys and think it'd be really cool to be in the service and I have some fears as a mom and so not to say that um what they want to do right now isn't going to change at some time in the future. But I was curious from someone who's been in that environment, how do you kind of toughen up your boys and, and your daughter to be in these environments one day that are not the little homeschool bubble that are maybe rough or rowdy or totally different than what you grew up in. And I don't want it to take my kids off guard, but I also don't just want to throw them to the lions when they're really little. So, or even when they turn 18, you know, go, it's a whole conversation. We have that conversation (laughs) on this episode. So anyways, Elisha's going to read you Bill's official bio, but um, I really enjoyed this episode. I, I got a lot of peace and clarity and I hope you guys do too. Nice. Yeah. And this is as official as I could find. It's on the internet and it's, I think it came from his website. So Bill Rapier is recently retired after 20 years in the Navy where his duty assignments included several years at SEAL Team 3 and over 14 years at Naval Special Warfare Development Group. Positions held include assaulter, breacher, sniper, team leader, troop chief, and military working dog department senior enlisted advisor. He is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, a practitioner of the Sayak Kali knife fighting system, and trains in both Western and Thai boxing. He and his wife live in the mountains of North Idaho, where they ha- where they homeschool their seven children and are heavily involved in their local church through leading worship as a family, father-son ministry, and all-around discipleship. I mean, if you aren't interested, I don't think we have anything for you on this podcast. So anyways, I hope you guys enjoy that. Also, it was really encouraging hearing some of the really hard things they've done together as a family. Yes. I was really inspired by that part, too. Oh, okay. I'm going to read you guys a Good Ranchers ad read real quick. Did you know that over 5 billion pounds of meat are imported and sold in the U.S. every year? Did you raise your hand? That's why you need Good Ranchers. They are the number one source for 100% American meat that we trust to feed our family. Instead of getting overpriced imported meat at the store, Good Ranchers delivers the meat that our family eats every day straight to our door. And not only is all their meat locally sourced, but it is also all hormone-free, and it has zero antibiotics ever. Also, their chicken's completely vaccine-free, which is also super cool. If you need to switch from the grocery store to Good Ranchers, oh, not if, you do, go to subscribe to any one of their 100% American meat boxes to secure their leap year offer of free bacon for four years. If you guys listen to every episode of our podcast, you know that really took us off guard the first time we read yeah, that. Genuinely blew our mind. <laughs> really did. Like, what? <laughs> four years? Like, that's still insane to me. That's over 70 pounds of Applewood smoked bacon you get just by subscribing. So use our code VOTEBERG. You can check it out down below. Learn how to spell our name as an added bonus. Their beef, chicken, pork, and wild-caught seafood is all amazing. I recommend their pre-season packages of chicken because you never have to handle the chicken. So it's pre-sliced up for you. That's amazing. So just go to goodranchers.com, pick your box, use our code VOTEBERG, and get meat you trust from a company that shares our values. 
um, yeah, they're a Christian company. We interviewed Ben and Corley on the podcast recently, and we're really blessed by them. So anyways, go to goodranchers.com, use our code VOTEBERG to claim over $900 in free bacon before their leap year sale ends. That's an important part. This is only for the month of February. Yes. All right. It's exciting. Before we jump in, this is the second time Bill Rapier's been on the podcast, so we do not spend very much time on his backstory. In his ver- first interview, we did spend a lot of time on his backstory. He grew up a missionary's kid, so he spent a lot of time in his childhood in Germany, in South Africa, um, various parts of the U.S., and then he goes through his story and, and you know, going through the budge, budge training to, to become a Navy SEAL, um, making the tra- transition from the regular teams to development group, and then a lot of his deployments, some stories from that. So if you want to hear more about his story, kind of the origin story, go back to that episode, and then today we just kind of jump in to what he's currently doing. Yeah, we'll have that linked in the description box to you guys. The Now That We're a Family Podcast. Well, here we are, Mr. Bill Rapier. Thank you so much for taking the time to be in the studio with us, which is kind of a fun a fun treat. Our listeners, many of them have heard from you before because you've been on the podcast about, um, boy, I don't know, a year and a half ago or so. And so maybe we won't take a ton of time on your backstory because people have the opportunity to listen to that. But if you are able, can you give us, you know, the elevator, elevator pitch version of who you are, you know, what you're doing right now, if you're married, do you have kids, what, what you're doing for work, what your background is, what's, what's the elevator pitch? Absolutely. So Bill Rapier, elevator pitch. I'm a follower of Christ, number one. I am a husband. Uh, I'm a father. I have seven children, uh, five girls, two boys. Or... <laughs> yeah, all, all girls except the five. All girls. Uh, never mind. Uh, no, actually, the opposite. I've got I've got uh, five boys, two girls. Uh, very blessed there. Uh, I was in the SEAL teams for many years. Retired. Uh, did 20 years in the Navy. Uh, started Amtac shooting right after uh, retiring from the Navy. That's a training company, so we teach people how to shoot and fight and protect their families better. Uh, and then we started Amtac Blades a couple of years after that. We sell knives. Uh, I'm very involved with our local church. I'm an elder and also lead worship at our church and do father-son ministry and a couple other things along those lines. So yeah, that's the, that's the short version right there. Thanks for having me on. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you so much for being here. I know I'm really excited to come out in this interview because I don't know, I feel like usually Elisha has these conversations and I don't know. I'm excited to be here and hear more from a mom's perspective, how you're raising your sons, because obviously we've got quite a few sons as well. And yeah, do you, do you, how do you want to start this? Yeah. Well, it's fun thinking back the first time I met you, um, it was at one of your courses and you were kind of helping me get situated and you, you heard that I had children. And I think you said something like, Oh, I'll stop any of my courses. If you know, if the students want to talk about parenting, like, like you're like, I don't stop for anything really, you know, but if they like want to talk about the yeah. gospel or parenting, yeah, like the training will be put on hold for a second. hundred percent. Yeah. So that, that is one of the things, uh, very, very passionate about. And I think we're discussing homeschooling, um, with that, um, which obviously goes very much in, in with, with parenting, but yeah, if we're, if we're not raising our kids to know and love Jesus and, and, you know, to training them in the way that they should go, 
then what does it matter if we're winning, you know, violent confrontations for the next, you know, 40 years or in y'all's case, maybe 50 or 60 years that you have left, um, you know, like, what is it, you know, what, what does that matter if we're not raising the next generation? I mean, that is, you know, one of the, the, the key tasks that we have as, you know, fathers is, you know, loving, loving God, loving our wives, and then loving our children and, and training them to know and love Jesus. Um, and I, I think homeschooling is, is a huge one where we get to do that. I mean, it's such a privilege to be able to teach our children uh, the truth and teach, you know, convey our worldview to them uh, rather than the world's worldview. Yeah, I mean, it's a crazy responsibility. And what's what's bizarre, you know, you use the word training, you use the world, uh, the word, you know, um, kind of like, I forget what you said, but inputting our worldview into our children and a lot of people they would say even christians it's like we're not supposed to force anything on our kids you know like almost like it's this neutral this blank slate and they need to be open-minded to whatever it is for them to discover themselves in truth and that's obviously contrary to what the word of god says we are we're not commanded to bring up our children in the neutral way of anything because there is no neutrality that is huge yeah it's a big deal but I'm curious, you talked about, you know, having this clear vision for children. Can we back up to when you first started having children? Did you have that clarity? Because in the line of work that you were in, from the outside, it seemed like, oh, the missions were probably always pretty clear and the objectives were obvious. You knew what you were training for, in other words. Entering into parenthood, did you have that same type of clarity or was there a time where you the two kind of felt like they were at odds with each other? So it definitely it was not... I wasn't as strong in, in my convictions or in, in just in, in clarity of, you know, what, you know, what the purpose is, you know, of marriage and you know, being a husband, being a father, child rearing, all that stuff. Like definitely that that's been something that I've grown in. Um, it, it's definitely didn't, didn't have it all figured out when we first got married. Uh, but I guess one, one of the things that I, I think I did have figured out was just the, you know, the, the order of priority as far as, as, you know, as soon as I got married, it was very much to my wife saying, Hey, if this, if work is too much for you, like I will leave work because you are more important than, than the job is. And I think that's, that's a huge thing that, uh, you know, that as you think about it, it just, it, it makes sense. Of course. Right. No, no, no. Or very few people are going to say, Oh yeah, my job is more important than my family. Um, but a lot of times those are words and, and it's the, it's the actions that, that go with that. Like, do you, do you truly value your, you know, number one should be your relationship with the Lord, then your wife, then your kids. Um, but do you value your relationship with your wife more so than you do, you know, the identity that you have in whatever career that you're in? Um, so that, you know, by God's grace, I had I had that one figured out when when, when we got married, and then uh, we we did want to have kids right away. Um, so we got we were on a pretty uh, intense cycle. It was kind of the height of the war when we got married uh, back in two thousand seven, and uh, so I I'd gotten back from deployment and had about. I only had six months before we were leaving on our next deployment, so I had basically two months to plan you know, go talk to Mariah's dad and get, get a ring and 
then proposed about two months after being back. And then we're like, we want to get married quick. So we, we successfully again, by God's grace planned and executed a wedding within two months. (laughs) And then we had two months of being married and, and then I had to go on deployment. Uh, and then I found out, I think two weeks into deployment, sitting in a little tent in Jalalabad on a Panasonic tough book, Mariah sent me a picture of, uh, a positive EPT. So that was, that was super cool right there. So I was really, really, you know, excited, very, very happy. Um, and then, yeah, kids are just such a blessing from the Lord. And we're like, yeah, let's, we want to have a bunch of kids. Um, yeah. That is so cool. I'm curious, was it harder for you being married in the military or was it easier? Definitely the first. So the I don't have the reference on the top of my tongue, but the, there's a you know, an old tef- Old Testament reference to the young men should not go to war for you know if, if if they just recently were married. Basically, they should be able to be married for a year first. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really have that option, uh, but man, I so see the wisdom in that because it was definitely, especially that first deployment after getting married was harder, just mentally with with missions and whatnot. Uh, you know, being a newlywed. Yeah. Um, and then also knowing that I was going to be a father. And so there's definitely, uh, yeah, I see a lot of wisdom in that. I would definitely recommend for any of the young men out there, if you, uh, if you can wait a year before deploying, that's, that's probably a really, really good idea. How long were you deployed that first time? Oh, those were only three monthers. So they were short, short deployments, only you know, fortunately. Can you imagine three months right after you get married? Yeah. Yeah, that is brutal. So I, I'm curious, you talked about it was it being obvious to you right when you got married that the hierarchy was like your relationship with the Lord, you know, your faith yep. and then your marriage and then work was, was some, was somewhere there. Um, whether it's in the SEAL teams or in various in- industries, whether or not people say that or not, it's like it almost expected that you're not really going to act that way, you know, like, oh, for sure. And, and I, I think that's what I've heard a common sentiment, even in where, where you were working, did that cause conflict with your job, with, with your coworkers or with your teammates? So I bet maybe a little bit with teammates, but it was definitely less so in, in large part because I'd already been at work for a long time. I was already established. So, you know, if I was not, uh, uh, if I wasn't showing up for every function, there was, there was a little bit more grace given there. So definitely feel for the guys that were very, uh, uh, you know, young in the teams and also young in their marriages, like that would be really tough because the expectation was that you volunteer for everything and go on every trip possible. Um, and that's, that's a pretty tough thing to do, you know, in, in any marriage, you know, regardless of how long you've been married, but especially for younger guys, that's super tough. Now I'm curious. I know Katie's curious about this too. Uh, you know, our boys are nonstop playing with their army men they're every game they're playing one of them's a navy seal one of them's a fighter pilot you know or occasionally they're a firefighter or a policeman too and as as you're parenting your children um there's a couple things i think we have questions about regarding this and and one is just kind of i think preparing our sons and our daughters for your you talk you're an advocate of homeschooling as our love homeschooling Mm -hmm. and just christian education in, in general um but primarily homeschooling in our in our home and I'm curious how you go about preparing your sons to enter into what people would call the real world, right? Because the SEAL teams aren't known for being like a gentle, 
environment where it's wholesome and they're just building each other up with scripture and, you know, prayer. Uh, you know, we, everybody's heard stories about, about, you know, just things that you're like, man, could my son handle that? What could they, could they rise above it? You know, could they be a man of integrity? And that might be an extreme example, but I feel like every man in the work environment, they're going to face scenarios that we don't necessarily want them to be in when they're younger, but we also want them to be prepared for those scenarios. So how are you approaching that with your children? And so first off, just acknowledging that every regardless of what profession you get into, you're, you're going to deal with that. Um, yes. In some military context is going to be more significant. Uh, what I've been telling guys, and, and this would be for my, my boys as well. Um, the very first thing I, I asked them is, are you grounded in, where are you with your walk with the Lord? Mm-hmm. Are you rooted strongly with your walk with the Lord? Uh, because if you are, then, then I would say, yeah, go, go for it. You know, we, we need good, Christian men in the service. That's super, super important. I mean, our, our nation depends on having good people there. Uh, where I would hesitate would be if they're kind of lukewarm in their faith, just knowing that, Hey, we're, we're kind of throwing them to the wolves. If, if they are you know weak in their faith and then, and then we throw them in and it's going to be hard for them to, to stand up, you know, for what they believe. Um, so just tr- trying to establish, you know, the, you know, rooting them in their faith, rooting them in a biblical worldview so that that is the lens in which they, they, they just approach everything is, is this honoring to God or is this not honoring to God? Um, I think that's, uh, you know, if, if they have that, then they can, then they can look at the crazy stuff that goes on and go, okay, all right, guys go, you know, <laughs> like do your thing. I'm, I'm not going to. Yeah. So like from that aspect you wouldn't you wouldn't encourage your sons not to join the service but you just want to make sure that they're really grounded going into that and as far as that do you feel like there's any kind of exposing them to environments like that before they just are dumped into the deep end where you know you aren't there as the parent do you feel like you're taking your boys along with you to certain things where maybe the environment is more coarse or more rough or things like that Uh, because yeah, I'm just curious what the shock to the system would be if it's like, you know, they're in their home, I'm their primary teacher, stuff like that. And then, you know, they're just out in these total male environments. Yeah. So I, I do think that it's, it's a good thing to, you know, limited exposure to the world. And then we talk about it right away. You know, mm-hmm. like my kids will bring that up when they're, you know, a lot of my friends and mentors are not believers. And they might be cursing all the time or mm-hmm. d- doing something. And, you know, my kids, will, they'll bring it up when we're talking afterwards. I'm like, yep, right. They're not followers of Christ. And that that's one of the, the things that they do. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's not what we do. We, we don't, you know, it's not honoring to God by, by doing that. And uh, so I think it is good to, to talk about that, all, you know, so that, that would be one aspect of, you know, of, of exposure to that with, within our family, right? Cause I'm, you know, I'm on the road doing training a lot or bringing the men in, um, and doing training there. And so just, I think it's super valuable having the boys around that environment and just seeing, Hey, not everyone's a believer. Um, right. And, and then just being able to watch the interaction that it's not like I flip a switch and all of a sudden act completely differently because I'm around 
you know, these other guys, right. Mm -hmm. I'm still acting the same way. And I think that's a super important thing for, for the boys to see. It's also really encouraging for the boys when other believers do come and then they see that, Oh yeah, here are other men that are, are living out their faith. So I think that's super, super valuable right there. Yeah. I think that could be so cool watching your dad interact in those environments and be like, okay, he's still confident. This is how he interacts. And you can kind of learn that because it can be hard to learn on your own okay, how do I act in this environment? You know, am I just like in the corner being awkward? Do I start to participate in things that I just don't feel good about? Like, how do I do that? So it's so awesome that they have you as and, an example. And realizing within that, that it's okay to disagree. Yeah. With, you know, when, when people bring stuff up that, that are obviously not true, like we're supposed to be salt and light. We, we can step in and go now, actually that that's not true. Like that's, you know, the Bible clearly says this, then this is not how we're supposed to live. And, uh, you know, it's, it's okay. The, the, you know, meek does not equal weak, right? It's, it's power under control. So just having the, uh, you know, it's so common in, you know, American Christianity now, like, oh, don't offend anyone. Don't like be nice, right? The 11th commandment. And, it's, and that's, you know, Jesus was not nice when he made a whip and, you know, drove the, the money changers out of the temple. Yeah. That was not being nice, but that was, you know, Jesus was not sinning when he did that. You know, he was acting righteously. Um, so I think it is it's important that they see that from us as well, that now we can, we can disagree and, uh, you know, and do it respectfully and in love. Uh, so. Yeah. You, okay. You do you just, you know, before we got on this interview, you were talking about some of the things that you do with your boys and you do like some cool, hardcore travel stuff with them and adventures. And I'm curious with you and Mariah and the culture in your home, has that been something where has she ever been like, oh, I don't know if you should do this with the boys right now. <laughs> or is she just totally like, you got it, you handle it, and she's just chill about whatever you decide to do there? Well, first off, she does trust me and, and trust my judgment. She will ask some questions sometimes, like, yeah. you know, is he going to be warm enough sleeping <laughs> at 6,000 feet on the side of a mountain uh, in the snow? Uh, so, I mean, she's she's a mom. So yeah. she's, you know, and that's that's her job is to... to to ask some questions like that and so yeah we just we'll, we'll talk about it and uh you know she'll try and make sure that the kids are getting enough sleep when they are on the road because a lot of times on on the road uh you know there's there's the, tr the training happens during the day and then and then the training continues <laughs> at nighttime a lot of times and then and then the the you know, the training continues with conversation then even later into the nighttime. So, and, and a lot of that is very valuable, but it also sometimes means we don't get a whole lot of sleep on the road. So, yeah, it's funny because, uh, I think you, you mentioned uh, you were going on a family camping trip or you've done it a handful of times. And it was this last summer. And for whatever I, I had something in my brain of like, you know, pack, you know, camping out of the car, a bunch of big coolers, you know, maybe some big air mattresses, a down comforter, because that's kind of, what we've done, you know, when it comes to family camping. Uh, but this last summer, maybe this is a normal thing. You guys, as the whole family, if I'm not mistaken, all seven children and your youngest was in a backpack. Yeah. Uh, and, and Mariah was there, the whole family. How many miles did you guys go and how many nights did you, did you guys pack in for? So just, I guess, to, to give a little bit of some, some context and background, uh, I would say this all started 
shoot, seven or eight years ago, uh, a friend of mine through training, uh, a guy whose nickname is Chainsaw, which is probably like the coolest nickname ever. <laughs> he calls me up out of the blue and goes, Bill, hey, there's this crazy race. Like you got to walk for 36 hours and navigate and shoot and they'll handcuff you. And you got to pick cuffs and like all this stuff. It's like, do you want to do it? I'm like, yeah, that sounds like fun. Um, so a couple of years in a row, me and him did the Sniper Adventure Challenge race, which was awesome learned a ton doing it uh it was always kind of in that end of august beginning of september time frame and then we we kind of shifted and learned about uh the wind river range and uh there's a route there that uh, Andrew Skirka coined, the Skirka Highline route. It's it's 100 miles or 100 and some miles, and it, it's it's amazing. So then then me and some friends tried doing that, I think, two years in a row. And absolutely amazing, you know, gone for seven, eight days in the mountains at, at a time. And just super, super cool. But the last time I did it, I just I felt very convicted. I'm like, I'm, you know, it, it's amazing for me. But I'm a husband and a father, and I have a limited amount of time right now with my kids. And now, don't get me wrong, I, I do think it is vitally important as men to go and do stuff sometimes, just you and other men. But I just felt, man, I think we're eight days, seven, eight days on the trail, plus a, a travel day on either end. Like, that's 10 days gone from the family, and I'm not earning anything the whole time. It's just kind of reset time for me. So I felt convicted about that. I'm like, Next time I do this, I want to do this with some kids. So the following year, I took the top, I think, four kids. And then wow. another family from church uh, joined us, just the, the dad and a couple kids. And we went back to that same range, didn't quite walk quite as far, but just still absolutely amazing. Um, but then on that one, I'm like, man, I want, I want the whole family to come the next time. Uh, and so that's what we did last year is, and we didn't drive all the way to Wyoming. We just went down to the Sawtooths and we did a loop around, uh, oh, I'm blanking on the name of the peak right now, but, uh, one of the bigger peaks out there. And I want to say it was 18 or 20 miles. And we, we did three nights out. We started, it was very typical rapier, uh, the initial plan was to camp around this lake there, but it, you know, it's Labor Day weekend. And so all the campsites are full and I'm like, you know what, let's just get on the trail tonight. Um, so we're parked by the trailhead and we're going through all of our food and like, you know, trying to load up four days worth of food and into, into all the packs and, uh, got everything situated, walked about, um, mile and a half two miles made camp and not a great campsite and then it just started raining and it rained almost every day for the next what three days um but yeah it was it was pretty awesome i mean it was super cool i had our our littlest on my back um we had a small tent for my wife and myself and our littlest and then we've got uh you know three other little two-man tents for all the all the other kids and uh it was pretty cool just that they're you know, they're, they're carrying all their own stuff. Now they're carrying their food, they're carrying stoves. Um, it was just a great, uh, yeah, great family time of just getting up every morning and, and walking basically until we were tired that evening and camping out, got above the tree line. Uh, yeah, it was, it was really, really cool. Definitely highly recommend getting out and, you know, kind of getting, 
getting comfortable with being uncomfortable with, with the family. And we did, we had a couple of days of car camping on either end of that, hit a bunch of hot springs on either end of that, which was just absolutely amazing. Funny that, that you know, the kids afterwards, uh, we visited a place called Kirkham hot springs as we were driving back and it's just maybe an hour or so North of Boise. But, uh, that was just, a. You know, as, as I'm doing my route study to drive back, I'm like, oh, there's another hot springs. Let's hit it. Because we were basically like anytime we're driving past hot springs, we're, we're hitting it. And this ends up being just this amazing, it's a waterfall of hot springs. And then the Payette River is right there. And so you're jumping into this freezing cold, like ripping river and you know getting sucked down and then you know i'm standing there's a safety trying to pull the kids in and then back into the you know this you're standing there just getting pounded by uh this hot springs water it's just super super cool um definitely if you're ever in that area good so they they were like so the kids afterwards were like that was the best part of the whole week (laughs) that is so cool so just for reference i don't know if you mentioned how old's your oldest and then how old are your like couple youngest to our my oldest is 16 okay. and my youngest is two and a half now two and a half so you had quite a few little kiddos out there with you guys. oh yeah yeah so that's so cool yeah it's pretty intimidating i think picturing doing that because uh, i think if i tried to do something like that everybody would end up dying and i'd feel pretty bad about that <laughs> and so i'm curious if you've got some like you know like a, if there's a starter pack version to getting your family out and because when when you're saying this katie and i care deeply about family culture we want Mm -hmm. a healthy family culture and obviously you want that to be rooted in god's word and you want to be singing songs of worship and praise in the home but then i think shared experiences that like you said are uncomfortable really build family culture those memories like you said your kids probably still talk about it and so it's something that i know i want to be able to do i'm sure a lot of parents have that desire to do things with their their kiddos um, but not everybody has the background that you have, you know, like you, you are, you, you grew in a lot of capabilities, you know, for many years leading up to this point. What are some, what's the, what's the, what are the baby steps? The, the, the easy way to start is just go, go car camping once. Um, then, you know, once you're comfortable doing that, uh, then just pick a spot and go for a short hike someplace, you know, go hike into a lake someplace. So you, you don't have to, uh, you don't have to carry a ton of water. Right. And, and go light, you know, look at some of the, you know, there, there's so much out there now with the, the, the whole ultralight through, through hiking, through packing culture where you, you don't need to carry a 50 or 60 pound pack on, on your back anymore. Well, unless you have a child on your back as well. <laughs> you do. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, that was actually the heaviest carrying my daughter and, you know, sleeping bag and some food and stuff was definitely the heaviest pack I'd carried in a long time just because I, you know, normally I'm going further distances, but I mean, it, it's not, I, I think this last, uh, one, uh, just a couple nights ago in, in the mountains, you know, camping at about 6,000 feet and it was cold single digits or maybe some, some negatives. I think I had 22 pounds in my pack for, for starter weight. And that's with, you know, enough, you know, stove and fuel for two and, uh, so it's not, you, it doesn't have to be a, a super heavy thing. I, I would really encourage go try and go as light as possible. Uh, and it going light doesn't mean you're uncomfortable, but it, it does mean that, that, uh, your back's not going to be killing you. It's, you can walk further distances, 
um, especially for folks that, that don't have a background of walking long distances with heavy rucks on like go go the ultralight route and just start with go go hike a mile into a lake someplace you know hang out with the family set up camp um you know if it's only a mile into your truck then if you, if you did forget something or you had to retreat in the middle of the night like it's, it's not that big of a deal uh you know make sure it's a either a well-marked trail or i, I would always recommend uh you know leave a gps a, a breadcrumb trail right hit record as you're as you're walking in that way even if if it's nighttime and your you know your flashlight dies you can still get back out or it's a snowstorm or whatever mm-hmm. um and just start with little baby steps like that and then you know eventually you get more and more comfortable uh going out and being gone for longer distances and uh you know we've got some awesome uh tools as far as uh being able to, to communicate if there was an emergency, right? That little things like the, uh, the Garmin inreach mini. If you, if you know you're going someplace out of cell phone reception, mm-hmm. a lot of wilderness areas, you're not going to, you're in the mountains, you're not going to have cell reception. You're not going to be able to hit a repeater for, you know, for ham radio or something like that. So, um, there's little Garmin inreach mini is a couple hundred dollars. And, uh, it's, now you can text through a satellite system. Um, wow. so, per, so there's a lot of stuff where it's, it's not like you're in the middle of, well, I mean, you are in the middle of nowhere, but, uh, and, and so especially as, as a, a dad, you do need to have a, a lot of the answers, right? You should have some med gear. You should have, you know, basic ideas of what are the hazards in the area. Um, but then also realize that there's some simple precautions that you can take so that you can call and get reinforcements if you, if you need them. If you need it. And how, what do you have the kids carrying right now? Like in their packs? So for starters would be their, when they're really, really small, it might just be like a puff jacket, like a warmy layer, maybe a rain layer and water and snacks. Mm-hmm. And you're carrying their sleep, sleeping bag and ground pad. But if you're going down, which is definitely, I would recommend it. You know, we've got synthetic sleeping bags. We've got down sleeping bags. Um, definitely go down just for the weight and also mm-hmm. for the packability. You know, a synthetic sleeping bag will do better when it's wet, um, but just you know, we have garbage bags and stuff like that. So don't let your sleeping bag get wet, but it will it will pack down way smaller, and uh, and it's also a lot warmer and a, and a lot lot lighter. Um, so yeah, I would start with just warmy layers. You know, a basic fire kit, maybe a small radio or something like that, just in case they do get lost. You know, and that that's a really good thing that you know just having the kids understand the basics of, you know, shelter, water, fire, food. First thing you do, if it's super hot, you get in the shade. If it's super cold, you get in the sun, you know, put all your layers on or, or strip layers down, drink some water, don't move. You know, if they, if they are separated from the family, get on a whistle. If they have a little radio, they can get on the radio um, and then just sit there and Hey, we'll, we'll find you, but don't walk around and then end up getting hurt, falling in a ravine, falling in a pit someplace, right? Just, just hang out. If they're, as they get older and they can make fires, go ahead and make a fire. That'll make it, you know, that's good for morale. That's it can be good for warmth. It could be good for signaling. Um, so yeah, I would just, I would go down like have yeah. that stuff first and then go into having, you know, some basic sleep stuff as well. Have, have them carry their sleeping bag and ground pad. And then eventually they're carrying, you know, I, I just have the, cause they're, they're two man teams with, with the, with the tent and whatnot. And so the, the older ones carrying the, the tent, but even that, I mean, I think we're running little, 
lightweight ones from REI and they're just over two pounds for a little two man tent. And so it's, it's wow. a really, really lightweight system. I mean, all, all the kids should be at, at 15 to 20 pounds, um, with, you know, with food and, and fuel and whatnot. Um, yeah. And it's just, you know, get, get to the point and, and eventually they'll be carrying, you know, in another couple of years, they'll be carrying more than me. So <laughs> they'll have the extra med gear and, and, you know, some of the other, you know, team equipment for the entire family. Yeah. Wow. That is so cool. And okay. I have one more question. This is probably random, but like when you say radio for like little kids, is this like walkie talkie or is this like ham radio or, you Just know, little, uh, I mean, you can buy, it's so cool how inexpensive some of the technology is now. I mean, I've got little FRS family radio service radios. Uh, I think, yeah, I think I was buying six or seven packs of them and they, they end up costing $11 per and they're they're small you know they're they're slim like a cell phone very easy for the kids to throw in you know they're FRS so no license required uh and they just know what what channel to come up on and so if they're lost they just sit down and turn their radio on and you know it can be a great I mean for 11 bucks you know that if they, if they lose it it's not the end of the world um yeah. and you know it's, it's a it's a great safety yeah, I even think of that in terms of like skiing and stuff like that. Just we want to come up with something that our kids can have. And so, but I was curious about the licensing and all that. So yeah. that's helpful. That's the easiest way to do it. Is you just stay away from the ham stuff because there's a lot of rules with that. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't want to give my seven or eight year old a ham radio and just be like, okay, here you but, go. And then, but if it is like, if it's truly life limb or eyesight, yeah. Uh, most of the rules are out the window, right? Use anything, any method yeah. available, right? So that that's where it would be helpful to have some repeaters in on, on radios. Um, because if it, if it truly is an emergency, like I don't care that they don't have their ham license and mm -hmm. no one else is going to care either. Yeah. It's actually yeah. one of the FCC rules that if it is life limb or eyesight, you, you can do whatever you need to on, you know, in the airways to, uh, to save your, yourself or, or someone else. So that could be super useful then to get on onto a repeater and, and just say, Hey, I'm, I'm lost. Like I need some help here. Mm -hmm. You know, you mentioned, uh, just a, a little bit ago talking about how, you know, meekness is not weakness. Um, and then it just reminded me of some stuff you've talked about recently, just biblical masculinity, Christian masculinity. And, you know, of course, people always talk about like, you guys are always talking about your sons. You're always talking about raising men. It's like, well, yeah, we are predominantly a boy family right now. And that's something that we think about. But in addition to that, it does seem like, you know, we, we've all heard recently about the, you know, the crisis in masculinity. What is, where are the Christian men? And and, and so I, I also do think there is something not just numbers wise that makes us think about this. I think culturally, we are genuinely curious as to how to, how to raise godly biblical men um, and you, you listed off a few things at one of your recent talks, and I, I think I got them right. But you said, you know, number one, love God, have your identity in Christ. Number two, number three, love your wife. Number four, only have eyes for your wife. Number five, um, I think it's love your children. Is that right? And number six, lead your children. Number seven, be a part of a local church. Number eight, uh, do your work or your job as for the Lord. Be, you know, be good at it if, uh, and tell me if I'm getting way off on any of these. Number nine, uh, you said be capable in someone your children look up to and are inspired by. And then, uh, and then number 10, know what you believe. 
know, know your doctrine. And I don't know if I was way off on any of those. No, uh, that was, that was pretty close. I mean, okay. not looking at the list myself, but uh, that was, okay. uh, I think it's pretty good. <laughs> uh, and I, and I loved hearing that because obviously you could say, love God, identity in Christ. And you're like, yeah, we've all heard those things, but, but then going to practical, like not just love your wife, but only have eyes for your wife. That's a very practical way to yeah. love your wife, you know, and to, and to be a man that is pure in his ways going down though, be cap- being capable. Like that's, I, I never heard that talked about as a good thing until I started spending some time around you. You're saying, you know, like grown capabilities or you would introduce somebody and be like, Oh, they're a very capable person. And, and it's funny cause now as I'm a father, I'm like, boy, I do, I want to grow in capabilities. And how are you instilling that into your sons? And what is something that you could tell just like general Christian men to like grow in capabilities, but also keep your identity in Christ. What is that? What is that? Because it seems like those were always at odds with each other growing up. When I looked to my left and right, it's like the spiritual guys, you know, locked themselves in their room and fasted and prayed, you know, and were kind of limped wristed. And then the, the hardcore guys that were capable seemed to not have any care for the Lord or his word. Yeah. So it, it, again, just going back to what's the most important, right? Start with no one love Jesus, follow after him, love your wife. Start with those ones. But then in there, it is it is important to also be capable. Uh, I mean, I just, I get to preach uh, three times in, in two days on, on the, you know, I broke it up into to three separate uh, sermons. And towards the end of day three, or of sermon number three, I talked, for maybe five minutes on actual like things that, that the world would say are the manly skills as far as being in shape, being able to fight, being able to shoot and all those things. And it's, and that was by design because those other things are more important, but it's also important to recognize that being capable is not a useless thing. I mean, so one of the things that, that convicted me years ago um, was the verse, I believe it's in Timothy on you know physical training is of some value um, but spiritual training is of immense value and that convicted me at the time because I was PTing a lot you know doing running lifting doing whatever um, and I was not spending as much time as I was PTing reading the word uh, and so that really convicted me and made a really I mean and praise God because the, the conviction there led me to to start listening to Guys like John MacArthur, Vody Bauckham, Paul Washer, James White. Uh, when I would go out and run for an hour, or mountain bike for two hours, or you know whatever I was doing, I started listening to this awesome, just godly men, you know, preaching, and that was just so that was hugely influential in my life, um, and it made you know, kind of a dual, you know, a dual benefit of, yes, I am getting fitness in, I am getting stronger and more capable. Uh, but also like spiritually I'm being encouraged, like I'm growing in, in my walk with the Lord. Um, but the flip side of that verse is it says spiritual or physical training is of some value. It does not say it is of no value. And I think that's where, you know, within, you know, American Christianity today, like, people have, have, have maybe taken the, is of, is of, you know, less value and they just say, well, it's of no value, but yet it is, you know, if you can't, 
if you're a hundred pounds overweight and you can't go out and, and throw a ball with your kids, or you can't go walk to the park with your kids, that's an issue. You're like, your kids are not going to look up to you in the same level if you are not capable. Uh, and so that, I, th I think it is valuable that, you know, number one, we, we keep it in, in order. Like, I don't care if you're the strongest, you know, most hardcore dude out there, but you're running around on your wife and you're doing all these other things, you know, like that, like that, obviously we don't want to be there, right? We want to set a godly example for our kids in, in the main things first, but then also in these lesser things of, Hey, yeah, we, we should be capable. We should, our boys should look up to us on not just a, yeah, dad teaches me about the gospel, but also on the level of, uh, yeah, he's capable. Like we, we went out and went camping together you know i mean like stuff stuff like that is super super important um for that next generation you know to be just you know we want them to be godly men but we want them to be you know men <laughs> you know not, not uh uh you know we want them to be strong and we want them to be capable you know be i mean how, how many times does the bible exhort us be strong and courageous right um and and that's that is part of it. And I think there is, uh, I think there are some crossover lessons, right? right? That, that, uh, you know, people that say, oh, you can't teach your kids heart. Like every, every time you do something hard with your kids and it's just a little bit harder the next time and it's a little bit harder the next time you are teaching them heart, right? And those there, and there are crossover lessons there spiritually. Like, oh yeah, when you're, when you're over by God's grace, when you're overcoming temptation, right? Like you are becoming stronger, more rooted in your faith. So there's, there's that side of it. And then there's also the like, Hey, as we're, you know, when you, you're just doing sets of three pull-ups last time. And, and then, you know, now a, a couple days later, now on your first one, you got a set of four and then set, right? So, so we are, Right. We, we want to teach them to be strong, number one, in God's word, but then also we do want them to be strong. We do want them to be, um, to grow into the, the, the types of men that, that their wives will look up to, um, that are confident, that are capable, that can, um, you know, love their wives, protect their wives, uh, protect their families. Like that, that is what we want. Um, we don't want the, yeah, the I mean I think it's just endemic within you know the the American church right now. It's like dudes aren't stepping up. Guy men are not leading in the church. I mean and the, and then you see like you know women leading Sunday school groups and you know all these things that uh like the men should be stepping up and doing that. Yeah, I mean that's convicting to hear and it's also inspiring, you know, cuz when I think about leading out, I do think being comfortable in a certain arena does make you more prone to leading out, you know, and you're kind of like, oh, I'm comfortable in these areas. And it makes me want to not only grow in those capabilities, but then also instill capabilities in, into my young men. I'm curious because, you know, I, I think back looking up to my dad, who was a logger when I grew up, and he like he the, he could do no wrong. That was the coolest thing in the world, you know, for my whole childhood you know like his nickname could have been chainsaw the way he, you know, the way he he handled his chainsaw and the way he worked in equipment and i'd go up and i'd sit in the cab with him you know and he was stacking logs i was like this is he is the coolest person ever and so it made me far more prone to when he pulled out the bible 
in the evening, you know, and we read through the Proverbs, I was like, this is also a part of being a godly man, right? Like being awesome out in the workplace, working this awesome job, reading the Bible to your family. It was all kind of computing in my head, right? I was like, this is, this is what it looks like. Here we are, you know, 20 years, you know, later, 25 years later from when I was a child and so many fathers, Christian fathers don't have that hands-on work or their children aren't able to see them in their hands-on work. You know, Katie and I joke about, it's like, I make our living working on my computer. And as far as the kids know, they're like, is dad watching movies? You know, like, is he, (laughs) is he on there watching, watching movies? Um, and, and it's funny because at times we have to go out of our way and the boys will be like, well, like, I didn't know, you know, you're so good at whatever, you know, the, 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 the thing is, and have you come across that? Because again, you're, you, you bring your boys with you to your trainings. They see you train. I'm sure you've got stories that you share with your family about your, your past career. What do you, what, what, like, what are ways men can more proactively get out with their sons? And so that they are, cause I think a lot of men have a sentiment. I know I do. It's like, I want my boys to, to be proud of me, to look up to me hundred percent. because when, cause it, it does go into that. You want the influence. Like I want, when I'm reading them the word, them to think, yeah, this is, this is a good, this is a cool thing to do. It's cool to read the Bible. And I think a father, son ministry, even, you know, and we, yeah. we train, but then we, we read the word and it's just like instilling these thoughts. So, so what are some ways that guys that are working in an office job or a desk job or online can go out of their way to exemplify that to their boys and inspire that in their boys? Go do hard stuff with, with your boys. I mean, you, that starts with you. You need to do hard stuff. Uh, and then do hard stuff with your boys and, and with your family. I mean, just the, uh, yeah, whether it's, you know, doing jujitsu or riding dirt bikes, you know, across or mountain bikes, or, you know, like go do, go do hard stuff, you know, and, and go and, you know, suffer together sometimes. <laughs> there's, there's, I mean, there's just, there's character that is built when we do stuff. Like, I mean, that goes back to that. You're talking about like, when people think you, you can't teach heart, like, you know, every time you're going out and you're suffering and, and, and man, this just, this is tough right now. And, uh, I'd rather, you know, get off my bike or I'd rather stop running or like, I mean, I'd rather just make camp right here, but I know I've got to walk another five miles tonight or 15 or however, however much, uh, you know, that stuff is really good. And then, you know, just make sure that, that, the main thing is still the main thing. And that, that is not doing hard stuff is not the main thing. The main thing is the gospel, right? Mm-hmm. Is, is living out, you know, teaching, teaching your boys, uh, teaching your family, you know, leading your family to know and love Jesus more. That is the main thing. But these other things can definitely be supporting within that. And especially for, for guys that are, you know, where the work environment is away from the family. I think it's, it's super, you know, maybe even more important that you are doing cool stuff, you know, taking them skiing, going, I mean, even just going for walks with them, just doing stuff together. Um, and then I would also say do hard stuff together because it's, you know, we're in a very soft society nowadays. You know, we don't have to walk anywhere. If, if, if the temperature is, is a few degrees hotter than we would prefer it, we, we, you know, press some buttons or dial a little knob. I mean, it's just, we're, we're in a society where we're becoming very soft. And, and, and so we need to look for some of these opportunities to do, to do hard stuff. Yeah. Well, I think the spiritual and the physical world are so interconnected and often we put them in their little boxes. And so even what I hear you saying is you are 
more worthy of respect to yourself, to your wife, to your children, when you're doing these hard physical things and these hard spiritual things, they, they work together. You know, you mentioned like, like it's just hard being a man spiritually. And so when you are doing these things that are more difficult in your physical life too, you're still building up that mental and, you know, physical muscle, I guess, of being able to say no to stuff or to push harder and to carry a heavier, heavier load when you need to. And it's all interconnected. And I think that's why we, you know, see a man that maybe appears more masculine and it's like, oh, wow, he's, he's more respected by other men or by other women or by children. And it, cause it speaks to more than there being just a physical presence there too. You think this guy can do hard things. I want to be on his team. He'll do hard things when, however it's called for, whether that's, you know, protecting the family or loving one woman or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so I think maybe teaching that could be helpful too. Like you said, teaching that heart just across the board. Yes, absolutely. And, and just, you know, I would encourage guys look for ways to tie in, you know, when you're out, I'd be hard for me to think of a time where, where we're not saying the heavens declare the glory of the Lord when you're, when you're out in the mountains and, and just like look for the ways to tie in the gospel all, all the time, you know, whether it's, you know, correcting your kids or, um, or you're just out in, in God's creation or you're doing something really hard and you're like, God, I need some more strength right now. Uh, you know, to, to get through this, um, look for, you know, they, they shouldn't be separate cups. It shouldn't be, Oh, here's our, here's our manhood training cup. And then here's our, our gospel training cup. Um, look for ways to intertwine the two and just, and just to, to constantly put Christ at the forefront of, of all of your training. Uh, but, but, yeah, do it in a, in a in a godly manner, right? Do 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 the hard stuff, and then tie the gospel back in with it. I'm curious too. When you retired from the military, was it hard for you to come down off of that aggressive training schedule and all the stuff you're doing, and then now you're in this family life? Um, you know, how did you come down off of that and enter civilian life? The the short answer is no. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, not, not really. I mean, and and I think in a huge part, the the reason why I can just be like, no. Yeah. Is identity in in Christ is is uh, I I think a lot of the guys their identity is so wrapped up with with their job that then when they are no longer their job, it's it's super hard. They they they're kind of they're looking for a mission. And well, I, mission is follow after God, love your wife, love your kids, right? Then the the and so there, I didn't I didn't have that. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's aspects of work that I miss. I you know sometimes I miss you know being with the guys, going on cool trips, going and doing you know cool stuff. Um, I miss that sometimes. But overall, I'm like, man, I, I I love what I'm doing now. Like, there's a great. This is just a. Uh, God's given me a, a platform and you know, praise God. Like I just, I, I hope I, uh, can do well <laughs> you know, by his grace. Uh, so no, it, I didn't, didn't have much of a, or really no, I, I honestly, I haven't, I've only been back to Virginia one time and I didn't even go back to where <laughs> like I was, I was doing some training stuff in a different spots. So like I haven't even been back, uh, in the 10 years or so since we've been retired. 
Wow. I feel like that's such a cool testimony to your identity. Because I think that's something that I, mean, I don't even know if our boys will ever go in the military one day. But you know, you like, from what is portrayed out there, from what you can grasp as a civilian, it seems like, okay, you do this, you kind of get addicted to the job, and then coming out of it, the family life and life outside of that is just this major letdown. And it's like, do I want to encourage our sons, you know, to just feel like, you know, this more normal life is just lame if they if they pursue something else when they're you know young and single all these things are i mean that that just goes right back to you know whether i would counsel a young man to join the military or not would would depend largely on on their walk with the lord you know if they are rooted if their identity is as firmly established as a follower of christ then i'd say yeah go for it um if they're kind of all over the place man i i would really encourage them hey stick around get rooted first like um because it can be a tough can be a tough place and we don't want our identity rooted in our job you know we want our identity rooted in christ yeah i think of you know the glory of a young man is a strength uh but the wait how's what's the rest of that <laughs> how does that verse go started off so yeah, strong i know i was like i got this <laughs> i'm gonna crush this one but it do- talks about then like the the strength of or the the gray, gray hair the gray hair yeah. crown yeah. of splendor yeah. yeah yeah crown of splendor there yep. you go uh but i think as christians especially uh we have like we should have a different timeline and when we're doing when we expect to be doing our greatest work and obviously you wake up each day and it's a gift from the lord and you want to live that day surrender to him and working as unto him. But I think of, you know, professional athletes, it's like, you know, the best case scenario, if they stay in good health and they're able to figure it out, they might play till they're 40, you know, and then maybe early forties, but that's, that's, you know, an exceptional, and it's probably similar, you know, in the field that you came from, maybe roughly that, that age where you're doing, doing the work and you don't want to have this mindset of like, Oh, those were, that was my highest and best use. Yeah, It's Mm -hmm. behind me as Christians. It's like, we, we're looking to our children's children to be where we're going to be getting our, our, our you know, that's going to be our inheritance, yeah, our glory. And as we're growing in our faith, we're growing in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior and the knowledge of his word. It's like, man, if he keeps me here until I'm 80, 85, 90, I, I hope, I think that's going to be when I'm doing some of the best yeah. work, you know, training up my, my, the great grandchildren yeah. instilling into them. And so I do think that, you know, again, in various careers, it can be very helpful when the expectation is that at a young age, it's kind of like, well, you, you peaked like that. <laughs> like yeah. that was it. The glory days are now behind you. And as Christian men and women, it's it, women, it's like, we're playing a lot longer game. Not, not just eternity, obviously to be with the Lord, but also even here on earth, it's like the timeline's just longer. Yeah. I think in which we're looking for, looking for our reward in various things. Well, Bill, I'm curious, what are things you're currently working on, uh, that you can tell our listeners and, you know, something that I, I really love hearing you talk about is is just discipleship in general you know you talk about and in, this even kind of goes back to when you were saying you got out of the service and it wasn't hard for you and i've appreciated how you know being a father or being a husband it's not just this ethereal concept where you're like i meant it's practical right you spend time with your children you spend time with your wife with your local community and so what are things that you're doing right now that you can kind of give our listeners a glimpse into your everyday life, you know, as it comes to comes work, church, your family. Um, cause I think people would probably get ideas from that, be inspired yeah. by it. So what is like your day-to-day life right now? So, uh, 
this morning, uh, I would say it was just maybe slightly compressed, just, you know, have, having to get out the door for this, but, uh, got up, get, you know, kind of get, uh, get the house moving. I, I generally get up a little bit before Mariah does, and then, uh, we'll sit down and have our Bible time together. Uh, that could be anywhere from five minutes if we're really running short to 30 or 40 minutes just kind of depends uh then wake the kids up uh we'll have uh, a family bible time uh with you know with with all the kids or most of the time it's with all the kids sometimes some of the kids are doing they're doing the veritas you know online school now so now some of the older kids are sometimes not there for that uh and then you know, from there we get, you know, we, we get on with our day. So we'll, we'll have a quick, uh, all right, you know, kind of leveling between Mariah and myself. All right, this is what we've got going on today. You know, just m- making sure that we're, neither of us are, are missing anything. And then, uh, you know, I, I got a, a quick run in this morning, uh, and then came out here and then that's a fairly, I would say it was a slight, you know, a little bit compressed, you know, sometimes when there's, uh, if I don't have anything, you know, pressing in the, in the mornings, like, uh, you know, we might draw one of those things out or I might work some emails or answer some work questions or something like that for a while first in the morning. But that's a fairly, um, typical morning, whereas, you know, Bible time with, with the wife first and then with the kids, um, with the kids, it generally looks like, you know, pray, uh, read we're reading Luke right now so it might be just a couple passages might be a whole chapter um sometimes we'll have great discussion sometimes we will not have a whole lot of discussion I mean it's just very like uh and on that just the encouragement is don't get discouraged when uh I think the example I you know we're trying to sing a hymn now or or two afterwards and uh I think I, I used this example the other day that like don't be discouraged when your kids pick the doxology as the hymn and you know that the only reason they're picking it is because it's the shortest one. Like, don't be discouraged <laughs> about that. Let's get through that. this, Daddy. <laughs> like, uh, you know, just keep, be steadfast. I think that's such an important thing as men is just that concept of, of steadfastness, you know, whether it's, you know, leading your wife in Bible time or leading your family in, in their, you know, morning, morning worship time, family worship time, uh, whether it's not being upset when things don't go your way, you know, with whatever work, family, you know, uh, just being steadfast, right? I mean, our, our wives need that, our children need that, our churches need that they need men that are steadfast and aren't just flying off the deep end because things didn't go their way i mean that that's a very um you know Im- immature thing if if you are flying off the deep end and we just we need men that that will be steadfast yeah i mean that's something that my dad constantly encourages me of you know I'll, i t- talk to my dad regularly on the phone and uh and I, he uses that word all the time and so when hearing you say that, I'm like, man, that's so, it's so, yeah, it's grounding as a Christian man uh, to think of that word. And, and it's funny because, you know, the we, we, you know, adopted this from, from Father Son Ministry, but cold face, just kind of like, yeah. hey, like, just like, don't be freaking out right now. You know, like yeah. this is, this is not worth freaking out about. I, and I tell myself that all, a lot of times, you know, and, and it can come on a random Wednesday afternoon when it's like 2 p.m. And you're like, I'm kind of tired and I'm kind of hungry. 
and you know the the bill was a little bit bigger than i was expecting yeah. for the car or whatever and it's like okay cold face like this is just this just is what it is you know you might like, be a little too good at that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> sometimes i'm like what are you thinking here yeah. it's, it's so convicting to me sometimes like if i'm if i'm like cranky hungry and then like i am unkind to a member of my family because you know maybe i snap or i'm short or something like that and it's like i just feel great shame and i look at it like this i'm like wow i'm so weak that a little bit of discomfort from hunger causes me to like be mean to like someone that i love like how just that's just so weak and when I look at it like that, it really just, it helps convict me to go like, no, I really, uh, I should not act this way. Just, you know, like, yeah, I recognize I'm hungry right now and I'm gonna, I'm maybe, maybe I do want to snap, but that's not like my job as a man is to be steadfast. I'm not giving God glory if I'm, if I'm, you know, being, you know, quick tempered, right? I mean, we're, you know, children are supposed to obey their parents and, and fathers are not supposed to exasperate their children, right? That is our, our charge. Um, so that's great. Yeah. I've never heard anyone explain it that way before is weakness, <laughs> but I think that's so cool. And it's, and it's accurate. I, I'm curious about your and Mariah's Bible time because we've never done anything together at all when it comes to like our, our spiritual walk i mean we pray but how do you do you like read the scripture to her do you guys just read separately and discuss it no so uh we generally we're not even reading in, in the same same area mariah okay. actually got me a uh chronological bible which is kind of cool so i'm in exodus right now um and just just got through job which was nice. cool. Um, yeah, me too. We must be on the same time. Frame, <laughs> I've got, I've got, you one too. Yeah, my wife bought me one too. <laughs> it's a great. Uh, yeah. I, I've really, I've really enjoyed it. But so I, so we're not always reading the same okay. thing. But generally, like we'll 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 pray for a little bit first, just quietly, individually, and then we'll, we'll both be reading the Bible, and then just as stuff jumps out to us, we'll just bring it up and, and talk about it. Uh, you know, there was some stuff in, uh, you know, in Exodus the, the, this morning, just on, on, you know, God hardening Pharaoh's heart. And then I don't know, 15, 20 verses later, it's, it's saying then Pharaoh, cho you know, sinned again. He sinned by going back on his, you know, where he, he told Moses that he would let the people go. And then, and then he goes back on and the Bible's very clear. So just that. Uh, dichotomy between God is sovereign and yet does not cause man to sin, right? When we sin, it's on us and yet God is sovereign and like, man, that's one that kind of makes my head explode. Like I, you know, I believe it wholeheartedly. I don't understand exactly how, you know, how all that works, but I, you know, I take it on, on faith that that is, you know, cause that's clearly what the Bible teaches. So like stuff like that, that was just this morning. I like, Oh, cool. Like this here's, says here and here, you know, it just, um, points that out. So, uh, and then we'll generally, we'll pray together, uh, before we get the kids up. I think that's we cool. fell short on that today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's the general MO. I love just yep. being rooted in God's word. And it's so funny. This is just a fleeting thought that I'm having. Um, you know, I'm looking at, uh, 
you know, like this Musashi book about a samurai or Last of the Mohicans, or right now I'm reading about King Arthur, you know, or I think of Don Quixote and, well, you know, the samurais or the, the warriors or the, the knights, they have their codes, like they, they have their code of conduct. And I thought it was so funny when I was reading uh, Musashi about the samurai, you know, they look to the art of war. It's like that yeah. is that's their guide, their, yeah. their code. And uh, I can remember the way they tell the story. I'm like, that's so cool. And I was like, it would be so cool if like us as Christian men had like a code or a guide to go by. And then it's like, you know, sitting next to me is my Bible. And <laughs> yeah, it's like, you're like, actually, uh, yeah, right wait here. a second. And that's something that you've, that you've spoken to. And, and yeah, maybe just like in closing, how do you go to God's word to find equipping? Because that's another thing that you have for being a man is know, know your doctrine. And so I know that you study God's word fervently, but you also look to other teachers, you know, yeah. to guides for that, because you really do believe it is your code. You know, like it's not, you're not going to the art of war for, for your orders. You're going to God's word for your orders. hundred percent. Um, and I, that's just like, yeah, that should be a commission to Christian men. It seems like. And so what are, what are you doing recently, you know, to study God's word, to understand it deeper Bible teachers, all of that. Cause again, that can be intimidating. Right. And a lot of times when we're intimidated by, intimidated by something, we just sit there and don't do anything, you know, which is yeah. never the right thing to do, but a lot of people do it. And stuff being before. overwhelmed by, by, by a topic and, and, doctrine and what we believe can be a, a huge one like that so um one of our elders at our church a couple of years ago um introduced me to 1689 london baptist confession um and so we've been shoot, for the last year and a half now we're, we're still going through that for, with father son ministry that has been hugely helpful um so i i would recommend that either either start with the 1689 if you are credo baptist or if you are pedo baptist probably start with the westminster but either way they're 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 both very very solid um you know solid uh confessions that can help us in in our understanding uh the next thing to to recognize that it, it's it's sola scripture and not solo, right? We don't we we don't sit alone, right? I think I'm borrowing from Dr. White here. We don't sit alone on a mountain with our Bible, right? We've got two thousand years of of godly men writing good commentary. Some good commentary, some bad commentary, some horrible commentary, right? Some heretical stuff. Um, so we don't throw everything out, right? We 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 go okay. The the Bible is our standard. If something is contradicting the Bible or going outside of the Bible, then we we discard that. But there are great commentaries. There are great sermons. I mean, we live in such an amazing time where we can. I mean, I, I got the the sermon audio app on on my phone, and I can listen to sermons from the Puritans because they wrote their stuff down. I mean, that's just like it's pretty amazing that. Uh, and, and, and that is also not an excuse to not be involved in your local church. Just if you're, if you're thinking right now, oh, I can listen to some other guy that's a better Bible teacher that does not, that should be in addition to not instead of it's vitally important that you're involved with your local church. Um, so yeah, the, the catechisms would, would be another one, both out of, you know, there's Baptist ones, there's, uh, you know, the, the Westminster ones are all very, very good. Uh, and then just listening to listening to guys teach on on doctrine. I've, I've gotten a ton out of uh, Dr. James White's his his debates with with the Catholics. 
just because it really helps me to understand what my doctrine, and, you know, like here's some of the opposing arguments um, with some of you know the great minds within Catholicism and they make some good points. And I'm like, oh yeah. And then like, and you know, then Dr. White comes back with what the Bible says. Uh, <laughs> and that's, uh, you know, and, and, and we just, you know, so that, but that's hugely helpful right there to understand um uh, to understand what we actually believe, right? To be you know rooted in what does the Bible say? Because that's as a, as a follower of Christ, that's what I look to is is the Bible over everything, right? Other, other people's commentary is great, but we the, the Bible, you know, the sole infallible rule of faith, you know, all saving faith and knowledge, right? I can look at a sunset and go, wow, there's a creator, right? That's general revelation. I can be convicted by that, but I can't come to saving faith by looking at a sunset. I need special revelation, which only comes from God's word. Um, I would also say with that, holding a high view of scripture is super, super important. Uh, just the it seems like that is the the fast uh, off ramp uh, to heresy is is just start when you start picking and choosing what what is actually important. You know the the, the red letter Bible. Well, Jesus, you know Paul said that, not Jesus. Yeah. It's like man, we're we're like yes, Paul did say that, but. Paul said that under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And as soon as we start throwing that stuff out, then what else are we throwing out? And so just holding that high view of scripture that this is God, you know, it's Theonostos, right? It's God breathed. Um, and it's, you know, and it is in a class by itself. Hmm. Yeah. That's, that's encouraging. That's yeah. really, that's really fun to hear um, for, yeah. Like I said, for, for men, for women to know God's word. Um, yeah. Especially, you know, not especially both equally, you know, just like we need to know God's word, the, the mothers, the fathers. Oh yeah. As we're teaching our children. And that's the thing that's coming from both of us is we're teaching our children in the home. And so it's so important that we're aligned on that and both seeking the Lord growing in our own knowledge of his word. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing Mm -hmm. that. Uh, so you know, where can people find you? You've got your schedule posted online for classes. Uh, also, you know, like what, what, what's the type of person? That, that you're training, you know, who are these classes for? Um, are there various levels, you know, like, are there, is there, how, how does that work when you go and you train? So for, you can find us on amtechshooting.com and amtechblades.com. So that would be alpha Mike, tango, alpha Charlie, and then shooting or same, same first letters and, and then blades, uh, for, for the, uh, um, the other website. But my average student is, a man that is serious about protecting himself and his family. Honestly, the, the, I do get some, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll have, you know, single departments that'll bring me out, or sometimes I'll get onesies, twosies, some military guys coming out and doing training. Um, but overwhelmingly, and, and I, I love this, the, the, the guys that come out and train with me are just, they're serious men, um, from all different walks of life. Uh, the thing they have in common is they're serious about, protecting themselves and their families and a lot of the guys uh you know they they don't always start off as good shooters but guys that uh and i've watched a lot of guys get really really good like get very 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 capable very dangerous um uh just by because they take it seriously they Mm -hmm. start to train all the time and that that becomes their thing 
Uh, and, and it's one of those, it's, it's not a, you know, the guys aren't running around in fear. It's just like, you know, you probably have car insurance, right? You, you don't think you're going to get in a wreck every time you go out, but having car insurance is a prudent thing to have. Um, and so, you know, being aware, being capable, being able to throw a punch, being able to take a punch, being able to draw, um, either blade or pistol under pressure, um, being able to shoot well, like all these things are, are, it's, you know, violence insurance, right? And obviously we trust God, right? But, but God does put us, you know, in places and use us as his instruments. So we should be as ready to go as possible. Um, so yeah, for, for any, any guys that are interested in training, like I would highly encourage you. I do ask that you are, uh, safe with your tools before you show up and train with me, i.e. you're not sleeping people. Um, you understand how to keep your finger off the trigger and, and then that you have modern, you know, modern striker fired pistols, uh, with, with good Kydex holsters. Cause it makes a huge difference when guys show up with ancient equipment and like, um, suboptimal holsters like it definitely makes it harder to teach and their people are more of a danger to themselves um so just that that's that's all i asked to do a little bit of 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 you know research a little bit of training on, on your own uh and yeah be be safe when when, when you show up but uh yeah our, our schedule is posted uh most of this year is posted we still have some local uh, North Idaho courses that we need to put up and, and kind of the, the latter half of the year we still need to put up. But um, a lot of our stuff is up right now on Amtec shooting. We also have um, some articles that, that we've written over the years. And then also now we're, we're doing some, some some of my preaching and, and, oh, awesome. and talks are also uh, on, on the website. I think it's underneath the faith, faith tab on, oh, on our website so cool. right now. So, um, yeah, definitely check us out. Wow, that's that's great. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to dig into that archive of sermons uh yeah i didn't know you myself. had that um yeah i'm excited to get back to another course actually one i don't know if you knew this but one time katie and i on our anniversary we came to one of those one day knife seminars that you yes did with, the, uh, <laughs> with two on carl yeah yes, two on exactly. carl was teaching that one i remember that that, guy that was awesome was deadly <laughs> i didn't even see his knives one of out. the best guys in the world right there <laughs> oh yep. that was so much fun talk about a relationship building experience we went on our anniversary actually yes. and people were like you went to a knife fighting seminar you know on your anniversary but it was so fun we were pouring down rain in your field and yeah, yeah i remember that we had fires everywhere i think my wife had a baby carrier yes. on as well and she was drawing from you know drawing a training blade from the baby carrier it's pretty awesome nice. That's great. Mariah's epic. Yeah. yeah she's so cool it was cool cool well i guess next anniversary we gotta you better have a course plan oh, all right just give yeah. me the shoot yeah. me the dates we'll yeah. try and we'll try and plan around your anniversary great cool bill thank you so much You're thanks for having me on yes, blessing to our listeners god bless 